It's cold cut time. It's pizza time. It's cold cuts and pizza. Oh yeah. It's cold. Hello and welcome back, everybody. It's your favorite cannabis people, cold cuts and pizza. I'm Austin. With me again. What's up? Nick. What's up? As as always, today we will be discussing some flower, some harvest, some some trim, of course, and curing. But yes, not sir. before we figure out how next weekend was. Nick, how was your weekend? Well, it sounds like you've asked me this already for some reason. I'm not really sure why. But hmm. um no, I don't know, was, technical it, difficulties. <laughs> maybe something like that. Um no, it was really good, man. Um, you know, we had a, a birthday party uh, for my youngin. He uh, he's turning one tomorrow. Um, thank you for coming out uh, for that. You know, we really appreciate you guys coming out, you and the fam. Um, I was able to see, you know, I was able to see you and our buddy Rant, and uh, uh, and my friend Noah and Alan, um, really good friends of mine, and my brother uh, Logan. I uh, haven't seen them in some time, so it was really nice to to get down with them and and hang out. We actually uh, ended up going out Saturday and and drinking a little bit, and uh, it's the most beer I've probably drinking in a single day the last year, um, and it was still like four or five beers. <laughs> So, um, but it was That's fun, you know, it was a good time. It was good to hang with the boys, dude, like, uh, bringing me back to like, back to the childhood, you know, when we all used to hang out. Um, but how was, how was your weekend, man? You do anything, anything fun and exciting? The, the birthday party, that was our fun and excitement. Oh yeah. Yeah. We had, had, had a good time out there. Um, you know, I mentioned the, uh, the lake earlier. Uh, that thing was cool. It was more of a, what did I call it? A wet lake. Yeah, like a wetland, like a like a fake, more like of a man-made lake. I think. Yeah, mm-hmm. <clears throat> yeah. I was expecting to see some alligators. Didn't see any of those though, but I didn't look too hard either. That'd been cool. You I know, bet they're you they're around. There. I bet you they're around out there. Yeah. Yeah. They're just waiting for everybody to leave to snatch up all the extra food. Exactly. Yeah. You I'm, know, I'm the... sure if they came out, people would feed them too. So. Yeah. Yeah. Probably. And we I, and we never saw that fall there. festival either. They they charge us five bucks a car, and uh, I didn't see any fall yeah. festival going on, man. I wonder if that guy just pocketed when all we, that money, man. He made a lot of money that weekend. <laughs> when we left, we saw um, a bunch of people like up in the corner. I don't know what direction okay. it was. Maybe east. Nice, like the northeast corner, maybe. Yeah. So um, there was something going on. Unless it was another party. Yeah. Or something. Yeah. Who knows? That's cool. It could have been a birthday. Yeah, a lot of friends. Could have been. That would have been a lot of people. But hell yeah, dude! No, that's that's good to hear, man. I'm I'm glad you had a good weekend. Um, but let's roll right into the episode. Uh, to the episode today. Uh, Like like Austin said, you know, we already kind of covered from seed clone to uh, mother side. Um, Today we're going to cover flowering, harvest, drying, trimming, and then your cure and storage. Um, and you know, we talked a lot about environmentals, obviously, because it's very important. Um, process. Uh, that's the first thing we're going to jump into today on the flower side. So Austin, if you want to jump into that um, and kind of tell us your preference, uh, you know, maybe at home, what you like to do, uh, and then maybe like even on the commercial side as well, you know, from one uh, week one to, you know, harvest time. Yeah. Um, environment. It's important, people. That's all I've got to say. No, I'm just playing with you. Um, so, so I think 
it is important. Um, very, the, very, very. I think one of the crucial parts of it, switching from veg to flour, is um, not immediately dropping your temperature Definitely. and your humidity just because you're going into flour. You know, you read mm-hmm. a lot of things online or you hear a lot of things watching other videos and it'll be like, you know, in flour, it should be 70 degrees and 50% or lower humidity, which isn't wrong, but that doesn't mean like immediately. So mm-hmm. like when, as soon as you, as soon as you flip, you know, to your 12, 12 doesn't mean drop everything. Right. You, know, you should, you should. You're talking transitional. Yeah. You're transitional. talking transitional, like the season, maybe. Like a, yeah. Like this change of a season. There you go. Right. It's that's, not, it's not all of a sudden. Well, I mean, in, in Georgia, sometimes it is, but it's, most of the time, the season is pretty gradual, right? So you want to kind of yes. mimic, you know, I mean, it, it's God's plant, dude. So, you know, you got to you gotta mimic that season change, and that's exactly kind of what you're getting at. What's up, Cody, yes. Lodi, and Compost? Shout out Hello, there, both of you. But yeah, so you're talking like, t- you know, transition, like, what do you... Uh, like what? What kind of humidity are you talking like, and you know stuff like that in in early flower? Obviously, you said transition. I guess you you could carry over like beds. Yeah. When would you? So I guess let me ask you this question: When would you start to transition into more of a flowering um, environment? Um, usually about week four. I'm in a more of a flowering environment. Oh yeah. Like I could, because I go in at seventy eight degrees which isn't hot it's not cold actually i've recently started going in at 80 i liked i liked 80 a little bit better than Mm -hmm. the 78 but that's that's very recent so i don't know if i'm doing that yeah you like that yeah so anyway 78 78 80 but it's two degrees but Mm -hmm. you know um so and i'm only dropping two degrees a week but so if i'm starting at 78 i'm going 76 and we two 74 and week three and then i hold that for a couple weeks Mm -hmm. and then about week four you know midweek four even sometimes week five is then i'll drop it down to 72 and now i'm in more of a more of a colder environment 74 still you know pretty cold but you know 76 yeah definitely there's probably a lot of people that veg in 76 right and what's your reasoning Um, behind the uh if you don't mind me asking like of going to two degrees you know a week why do you like to do that? Um, I don't necessarily have a reason other than I just don't want to go from 78 to 72. Gotcha. You don't like want to I, shock. I you don't to, want to put that extra stressor yeah, on, wanna, on top of it. Yeah. I got you. Yeah. Cause I don't feel, I don't feel like I really need to because at night I'm still, the temperature is still dropping at night in, mm-hmm. in my grow. Right. So it's still going probably 10 degrees lower at night. So they're still getting that like seasonal change feeling and I'm just gradually dropping the temperature because really the temperature doesn't just drop overnight. Some places it does, but I mean, for a long amount of time, like you don't have like a whole week that all of a sudden it's 60 degrees during the day. I mean, right. Especially in the summertime, like, or, or even like early, you know, like end of summer, like. You know, one thing like in Oregon, you know, outdoor, you know, you can't really control the environment, obviously. Um, So you have to get really hardy and strong genetics because even if it's 90 degrees, you know, 95 degrees during the day, 
it's going to be 50, 60 degrees at night. Um, and it gets very cold. Mm -hmm. Like all the literature that I've read is like 10 degrees. You want to go, you know, if you're, if you're flowering during the day, like indoor at 78 degrees, your nighttime temperatures are no more than 10 degrees lower. So 68 degrees. Right. So that's kind of what they say. So no, yeah, that's, that's, you know, on point and everything it's, it's, you know, outdoor, obviously you can't like really, you know, control that environment very well exactly. so unless you're china dude and then you can make stuff make it rain whenever you know <laughs> yeah. um yeah soon probably <laughs> but yeah so like For you sure. know kind of just talking about environmentals especially like on the ipm side you know he's lowering his temperature um and as you you know have more bud mass and more leaf material which we'll get to you know talking about defoliating and everything mm -hmm. um your humidity is going to rise and with that lower temperature too you want to be careful of uh, mold or fungus or anything like that because the fungus is among us and we've known we know that for a while a you know um so you know, you want to make sure that your humidity can can stay at least my preference in flower no greater than you know fifty five sixty percent. Um, I've gotten away with sixty five percent before, but I had tremendously good airflow. Um, so you really want to make sure that airflow is you know amazing if you're gonna make mm -hmm. your te if you're, if, it's, if you're gonna lower that temperature and also that humidity is gonna rise. But I guess that kind of brings me into the next point is uh you know, pruning techniques and when you like or when I like to work on the plant given a specific time frame. Like, so what week are we, are we doing these, these pruning or deleafing and stuff? A few different weeks. Week, I don't, week one, I leave it alone. I just, it just, I just moved it. I just flipped it. I just leave it alone and let it, let it do its thing mm. for a week. And then week two is I'll generally go in and I'll do the trellis. <clears throat> I'll put it pretty low. And then I'll um, do not a super heavy D leaf, but a pretty good. Like I'll take mm -hmm. large and even some even some medium sized leaves, you know, and I'll go all the way up to yeah. just above where I top it. And then and then I don't touch it again until like maybe week six. I'll do a little like a light deleafing because it's starting to bulk a little bit so week six i might hit it again lightly and then uh and then after that i don't touch it again till week nine and that's when i just pull every big leaf on there and just let it finish out hell yeah no i like that that's that's one that i've not like really like gone on that schedule for um you know week two what did you say week two week six and then week nine yeah. Nice. Nice. Yeah, I like that's that. Usually. Hell yeah. Yeah. I mean, obviously like too. when you, when you're pruning, like you're, you're thinking about all of the, like what's going on with the plant, right? Like, like physiologically what mm -hmm. hormones are being produced. And, and, you know, when we talk about like pruning at very specific times, it's because you want, like the plant requires you to do it at a very specific time because, you know, during week one to three, she's still got some vegetative hormone in there. So she's still growing vertically a little bit, right? So that's when you're going to take off most of your lower branches, um, your small buds that are going to turn into larf. Um, and then by week five, she's total. even by week four, I've seen she's totally done stretching, right? Mm -hmm. At that point, you're talking bud growth only. So, so totally into the flowering hormone now. 
and she's going to focus on bulking up or growing those buds actually and then bulking up those bug buds from week seven to nine or ten um you know so if you're trying to you know cut any branches or buds off by week seven or like week even week five like it's too late um you know one thing that i've experienced with or that i've messed around with um and this actually was a good idea from compost is to do your first week one to three prune in veg before you flip so you do it a few days before you flip like three days is what i did that way when she flips the flower you know that's a pretty stressful transition you've already done mm -hmm. that you know the cutting off and the deleafing a little bit and now she's flipping in the flower and you don't touch her you know you're not touching her again until week three when you do your you know another deleaf and you're maybe cutting off some lower buds that you missed in veg um, you know, and, it, and obviously it really helps like to know the strain, right? To know the genetic. Um, if you don't know the genetic, you're oh, not that, sure. Yeah, go ahead. I, that uh, speaking of that, that uh, Al Pacino that I just grew, I probably only deleafed that thing one time in flower. Wow, Honestly, like that's I crazy. It, I deleafed it like once in veg, and then I did it um because i didn't even do it week two in flower for that one because it wasn't like hit me like require yeah then yeah the biomass on it was just perfect and i was like well i don't you know week it was either week four or week six i don't remember i just um picked a few bigger ones just because they're blocking light for some leave uh you know fan leaves under it so exactly and that was it after that i, I let that thing go all the way until harvest and i didn't that's awesome. I, I mean, like, until I harvested. Yeah, know, people yeah, love those strains specifically, like not Al, Al Poppy in speci like specifically, but like strains that require very minimal work, you know, for a commercial, you know, you're not going to want, <clears throat> we grew, we grew this Mac one. They say it was like from Capulator, which I don't, I don't know if it was or not. Cause you, like, you can only get cuts of, of the Mac one. Um, I mean, I'm sure it was, if they said it was, it was, but it's that dude, the, the nodal spacing was so tight that like growing that thing, even in veg, when we were working on it as a mother was unbelievably challenging. It was so, um, like it required so much work. So like as a commercial grower, you know, you're going to look at that and be like, well, maybe like we don't want to, you know, grow something that challenging. Right. Yeah. Obviously, like yeah, a challenge a is good, of, but yeah. like at the end of the day, like you've got numbers to hit and, you know, you labor numbers, right? And stuff like that. Um, so, yeah. No, I mean, I was just, I just thought that breed, was interesting. Breed some of that work out. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, exactly. But I was going to ask, yeah. like, you know, you already kind of answered it. Um, when the trellis in flower, how many trellises do you like to do? Um, you know, you said week two. What's your reasoning for doing it, you know, early on in flower instead of later? Because um, I don't want to be doing trellis when there's bud sites. And I don't, you know, because then when you're stretching it or you're lowering it or whatever, you could, you know, you might break off some buds here and there. And I just don't want to do that. That and it's still a lot flex more flexible exactly. when it's a little yeah. younger. It's, it's a lot not, more pliable, you know, it's not, not like as hardened in. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, dude, we've done it that, before. When... I don't have a large. The audio is doing the thing. I don't have a large uh, space, so that's another reason I do it. Just otherwise, I'd be working way up here. So when they're <laughs> yeah. young, I just go 
almost honestly i almost go all the way to the top and they're like they're going they're going pretty vertical but yeah yeah i wouldn't i wouldn't i wouldn't do it that or you know that extreme if i had more space i would do a little lighter so mm-hmm. there's still like a nice right v to it just because i don't i don't necessarily like like doing it that way i feel like it would grow healthier if it was more upright which i could be overthinking that but yeah that's why i do it when they're younger they're just they're more pliable and yeah. i don't you know i don't really risk snapping one yeah yeah exactly i mean we've learned the hard way and like you know the, and failing you know a lot uh not like a lot but you know missing out on on uh you know dates and times and stuff to where we you and i would have to go in there in the early days and trellis when they were super tall and they're like, yo, bring it down, bring the trellis way down because they're tall. And it's like, dude, these plants are eight weeks old. Uh, you know, they're woody, you know, they're hard. So that's why it's like, like you said, it's very important to get in early on and, you know, get that stretched out. One thing we've done, you know, in the past is get the trellis on the table or get it up first and then, you know, kind of work it down which is like a cool method um or you could put your trellis on if you're if your plants are in the pot where they're going to be put it down and let them grow into it you know that's another really good method is mm-hmm. you know scr- scrogging and, and sea of green um <clears throat> damn i'm coming down with a cold so my throat is like oh <clears throat> yeah i wonder who you got, got me sick. dude you got yeah. me that's probably me. Hey, that's payback, man. Yes. Yeah, all the times I got, dude. Anytime y'all, anybody <laughs> would get sick at work, they're like, "It was Nick. It was Nick, man." And I'm like, "Bro, I wasn't even at work for the last week. What do you mean? How was it me? Uh, it was Nick, dude. It was Nick." Um, yeah, I'm gonna blame my wife on it though, cause she, cause she got sick from me, so it's her fault. Cause you got sick from being around her. So. That's fair. That's so fair. Yeah, fault. She had it the yeah. most recent, so it's definitely. She's definitely on her. The blood is not on my hands. Got you. Well, that makes sense. I I'll have to, to you know, <laughs> let's not let her hear hear you say that, but but we'll go with it. Um, you know, uh, another thing, you know, that we that I like to talk about especially uh cuz I'm like the IPM guy is obviously integrated pest management in flower, when uh to stop spraying, when to deploy bugs, you know, certain things like that. You know, we already talked about environmental factors and and good airflow. Um, you know, me personally, if I'm growing at home, I'm not I'm not spraying anything in flower. I'm not really even spraying anything in veg um, unless it's like a foliar feed early on, like we talked about in uh, you know the previous episode. But, you know, commercially, you know, I've even heard of people spraying up to week like five, you know, which, you know, not 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 hard stuff, but still like enough to ruin the trichomes because you're going to break down those trichomes, you know. Yeah. Um, but me personally, I'm I'm done spraying in flower. If you absolutely have to spray in flower, I'm done spraying in flower right when I see trichomes. Even I'd like to time it a few days before that because right when you ruin those trichomes, if you're trying to wash that for bubble hash or you're doing rosin or anything like that, you're degrading the quality so much because you're bursting those trichomes and they don't ever fully get to develop, you know? Yeah. Um, so, and usually from what I've seen, I mean, I've seen strains start to, get some trichomes start to get some sugar on them uh you know week two you know but typically mm-hmm. for what we ran at least that connected um was week three and at you know at dm we, we we would go up to like week uh one or two just depending on what we were doing um and then after that i like to get some you know beneficial bugs in there um just predatory mites again same thing kind of that i was running in, in veg um 
just to really protect that crop. You're going to spend the money, but you're going to spend, you know, a few hundred dollars compared to losing tens of thousands of dollars worth of product at the end game. Um, and again, you know, prevention is, is number one, dude. If you can prevent anything from coming in, you are golden. You know what I mean? Like you're not going to have, have those issues like later on in flower. Yeah. You I know. agree with that. And about, the, uh, like, do you do anything at home? Yeah. Well, not would, necessarily. I, I do if I have like, cause I get those little fruit flies. I can't tell if they're fruit flies or fungus gnats. Right. I don't really know. Cause they, they look we'll, have to, do a, we'll have to do an episode on that. Yeah, yeah. We'll have to. I can go yeah. through and uh, yeah. you know I can be the entomolo- entomologist for the day. You know. There we go. <laughs> but I don't. One, I don't really. I guess I do care, but I don't really care because it's not like I have a bunch. I just mm-hmm. see a couple flying around. I'm like, oh mother. You know. So if it's not week three, because I'll stop at week three, and the only reason I will is because, like you said, the trichomes, um, and I don't want to. Don't want to diminish the plant, you right? Know, yeah, or exactly. you know, parts of the plant. So I will stop as well when I see trichomes. But if I spray, which I rarely do, it's because I see something flying around, and I'll spray the whole plant. You know, one time, well, two days in a row, one time. Mm-hmm. But I just use the Nucum. It's that citric acid. You know, exactly. citric acid. That's pretty. That's and pretty. I'll do that two clean, days in yeah. a row, and then, yeah, and then that's it after that. And if I see anything again. And then all I do is like spray the pot, like where my soil is. I'll spray yeah. the top really good yeah. and around the, the main stock, but I won't spray the rest of the plant. Hell yeah. And I'll do that. I'll, I mean, if I have to, I'll do that in week nine. Exactly. Because I mean, you're not, not split. Like you can, you can do that kind of stuff, you know, like we, yeah. we've done it like where we did like zero tall or, or stuff like that on top of the pot. Um, because you're not yeah. spraying the, you're not spraying the trichomes, right? You're not spraying the bud. Um, obviously like you want to be careful for some back spray and stuff like that, but. I mean, you're good, dude. Like, you could even do, like, I don't know if you've ever used it, but there's this thing called diatomaceous earth, D-E. And they, yeah. it's yeah. basically, you know, ground up eggshells, and they, you know, they put it in horse feed and shit. Um, it's food safe, actually. Like, you could eat it if you wanted. Could eat it. Yeah, it's food safe. <laughs> uh, but you could put that on the top of your pot, you know, for fungus gnat or root, root aphids. But one problem with that, and we learned this the hard way, um, we were, you know, growing in a peat moss mix, and we did that. And when we watered it, when it dried, it hardened up so much that when you watered, it like took, it, I swear to God, it would take you 15 minutes to water a five gallon pot all the way through. It's like cement. Yeah, it was like cement <laughs> because I did so much because I was like, all right, we got like fungus gnats. We were getting like a ton of fungus gnats and yeah. shit. So I was like, let me go hard with this. And it it worked. It worked. And it works really well when it's dry because that's what's cutting uh-huh. them, right? When it's wet, it's not like you're not really getting, you know, the benefits. When it dries, right. it works. But that, so I had to go through and like oh. rip off the top layer of roots just to get it <laughs> out of there. And I was like, because I only did it on like four or five plants just to test it, right? We're not going to do the whole room. You don't do uh-huh. the whole room when you're testing a new product, right? That'd be dumb because you could fry a whole <laughs> a room or whatever. You know, I, you know, I've never, room, exactly, yeah. I've never done that, but, but yeah, so, um, you know, yeah. So be weary. Like if you're if you're gonna test something new, definitely. Um, you know, do 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 a select few, right? Maybe random throughout yeah. the room. That way, it's a proper like like test. Um, so, um, speaking of like buying, you know, product, adding additional product other than IPM, do you like? 
any kind of like bud hardener like they there's that like turpinator stuff there's you know there's all kinds mm. of different you know nutrients that they recommend for like the last two weeks or three weeks that you know enriches your yield or you right. know more taste or flavor is there anything that in particular that you like to do so you know so we ran a few different things at dm um and we definitely liked some product uh from uh, where was it advanced nutrient it was you know it was fine uh -huh. but basically what it is is it's a hardener is what you call it or, or i used or athena uh ag has one as well the guy the jungle boys uh the guys that made that um but from what i found it's like sulfur it's like but it's spelled differently so like like sulfur spray that's like a certain type of sulfur right. and then there's a sulfur that's like a different chemical compound within the same like class i think and that's supposed uh. to be able to harden up the bud i do like using that stuff because it really did dense up those nuggets in the last two weeks but one thing you have to be careful with stuff like that is if it's not a reputable company, you're you're putting a PGR into your plant, a pl a plant uh, growth regulator, and that is not by any means good for for your plant for you when you're smoking it. Um, and that's not something they test for necessarily. Like we don't know how it affects people when they smoke that stuff at the end um, if it's still in the plant. I've seen these big, massive colas before, huge with no trichome like zero yeah that's and it's like that's a pgr you, that's pgr typically yeah. um you know and then kind of going off of your question as well is we actually used and this is something i would never use again um it was just kind of brought to us and i was like hey let's try this out it was called a terpenese and basically it was a mixture oh. of essential oils right and they say and oh. there's a ton of these products out there tons this was just a specific brand that uh said that it increased terpene production like your terpene percentage at the end of the day would be higher that is not the case with this stuff it's growing your your weed well just grow your weed really well dial in your specific genetics and you're gonna produce the absolute best flower that you can without something like that right, right. um but no other than yeah. that i mean you know i definitely like to use like the hard dirt stuff there's so much like like snake oil stuff out there that's like use this mm -hmm. to increase this use this to you know make it do this but you could do other you know let's say for example trichome production right you you could you know feed it something that says oh dude like your trichome production or density is going to be five times ten times greater or whatever right well we've also done a test where you drought stress and you you do the 24 to 48 yeah. hours of darkness at the end and that pushes more resin and we've done that and now i can't say we've done it side by side but we have done a one harvest not done that next harvest did that uh some there were some same genetics in there but you can't say for certain mm -hmm. like this is what caused that because who knows like there's there's nine 15 weeks of difference there you know yeah um but if you're looking at do, doing something like that, do a natural thing, right? Think about mm -hmm. the plant and how it likes to grow and say, you know, what can I, I do to increase this, right? Yeah. This next run, I'm trying um, fishbone meal. I heard that yeah. fishbone meal is supposed to help enhance I've used like, like, a, the like aroma. stuff called like fish shit before. 
and it's like good nitrogen it's yeah. rich in nitrogen you know what <laughs> i mean it's called yeah it's called fish <laughs> shit literally it's literally that's the brand nice. it's like a it's like a fish like floating around um no that'll be cool yeah you'll have to yeah, do that's... like a you know maybe a side by side or if you i mean it doesn't really matter but that way you can kind of know you know what you're what you're liking mm-hmm. yeah i was wondering about that because and also do you notice like um when you use the hardener did you like the bud was like maybe thicker like heavier maybe denser maybe the structure was better but do you feel like you lost any any you know terpenes off of that or you know like percentage off of it i wouldn't say no um and, and i can't really tell you though either because again like you know when you ask these kind of questions um there's a lot of different variables happening. So it's like, unless like right. we did, and I, I, and I, I like to be a man of science when it comes to like weed and stuff. So I like to, if I'm going to be able to give you a definitive answer, I would have to say we did test that like for this reason, you know, like we tested this right. to see the difference between trico production, kind of like last episode, like where we did a side by side with the five gallon and the 10 gallon. And then we saw mm-hmm. results mm-hmm. with the 10 gallon, you know, um, I don't, I like just, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Like just visually. So it's just, it's just, you know, and and it's my experience. I would say that depending on how you use it or what you use, like you're not going to see like a detriment or anything like that. Like at least from what I've seen, like it was just, it was this, cause we ran a lot of the same genetics, the same, like a lot. So as we started to dial it in every harvest, we started to get better and better, but we were still using the same products and terpenes were better. THC was better. You know what I mean? Like the right. flower itself looked better. So, so yeah. So if that well, answers your just, question a little bit. Yeah. Yeah, it does. I was just wondering because I've heard, you know, like when I was looking up partners, I don't use it, but when I was looking into them, like I was reading a lot of people would, you know, complain that they weren't getting as much flavor and stuff. And you, I mean, just, you never know who's right. You know, maybe it could have been their second plant, you know, right. so yeah, you exactly. just never know. So I wonder. Yeah. And it could be but, what uh, they're putting into that hardener too, right? They could be adding, adding other stuff that maybe the plant doesn't need, you know? So it's very yeah. important to see yeah. what actual nutrients are you getting it? Cause it's not just going to be hardener and like, it's a magical thing. It's like, it's going to be an element that the plant requires yeah. like nitrogen, phosphorus, or potassium, you know? or a micronutrient mm-hmm. so <clears throat> you know fishbone meal yeah um do you do, do you flush are you do a I, flusher okay all right so you a flusher so i've done it both ways now at this point um uh-huh. i was taught uh you know coming up in the cannabis scene i was taught to flush i was taught to flush in uh what's up savvy sav 12 i don't know who that is but what up what up um, I was taught oh, wow. to flush, uh, we, we would do a uh-huh. week nine flush and all we would do is, uh, Oh, Abel, what's up, brother? What's up, my boy, Abel, Abel, Sama, what's up, dude? Um, <laughs> sorry, let me answer your question. <laughs> You're good, man. I get, I get distracted, man. Um, well, I can't see the chat. I know, you I know. know. If I pull it up, it'll mess me all up. Yeah. So. Yeah, but uh, but yeah, so we would do like a week of uh, a flush and we would just do CalMag and we would just try to get those nutrients in the pot out of there because we were taught, you know, if we don't flush, 
It's going to make the, the smoke harsh, this and that, this and that. Mm-hmm. And at home, that's how I was doing it. And then I started to experience, you know, at home a little bit because I could. I wasn't being told to what to do or I could like if I messed up at home, it wasn't like I messed up, you know, 200 plants. Um, so I started yeah. to experiment a little bit with not flushing like one plant and then flushing the next plant. Didn't really see a difference. And then, you know, I, I went to Connected and they're like, we're feeding all the way through. Like we are not going to flush. We actually mm-hmm. aren't going to do straight water at all throughout the flower process unless yeah. <laughs> the EC gets above what? What was it? A 3.5 or 3.3? 3.3 is what it's supposed to be. Yeah. And which to me, that was like, all right, dude, like if your EC starting to rise, you need to flush. Like you got to get that out of there. Um, but not flushing. Mm-hmm before harvest was new to me, uh, you know, at least on a commercial scale. Um, so, you know, who's to say there, there's not a lot of scientific evidence out there to say at least peer reviewed, like literally from like, you know, you know, stuff like that. Um, knowing what I know now, if I was to grow at home again, I'd probably feed all the way through. Um, they say you can get 15% more yield if you feed all the way through from stuff that I've read, but again, it's not, you know, it's not necessarily correct. I mean, the crazy thing is, is there's this one time I read this magazine um, and it was, it was like to flush or not to flush. Right. And it was a whole study done on not flushing. They were like, do not flush feed, feed, feed until you harvest. And I was like, damn, like they have that, they have some really good points here. Like they have a lot of good information here. Like this sounds legit. Right. And then at the very end, it was like this study was published by like some grow company that makes nutrients. And I was like, well, this is biased. This whole case study is biased. Oh, you see yeah. what I'm saying? <laughs> and I was like, yeah. how am I supposed to believe yep. anything you just said with this whole study was funded by a nutrient company? Might be true. It might be. Yeah. yeah. It's like, how am I supposed you to know? know? Because it yeah. wasn't an unbiased <laughs> case study, you know? Right. Yeah. Um, you know, but anyways, enough like what I like to do. What do you like to do? Like what what are you, what's your preference? What have you learned like throughout your, you know, you know, stuff? Um I well, it's kind of different for me because since I water, you know, it, it's watered underneath, you know, it, however mm. I water, whatever right. the hell that's called, I forget. <laughs> I always forget the word. But um since I water that way, I don't I just feed it all the way until the last um five days and then i'll just do ph water and um there's a couple um nectar the nectar for the gods that that Mm, brand there's a couple for them um things they have i think one is herculean harvest i think is one of them and then the uh the fishbone meal which is called the that's the new one that i'm gonna do um with the herculean Okay. Um, but anyway, on their on their like feed chart, it shows you can like to run that with your flush. It, you mm. take every, you know, you cut everything else out, and you just and you run, run that, that with your flush. Right. Right. So um, previously it was just the Herculean, and then obviously you still pH the water, but I'm pouring it through the top, so like all the nutrients that have been being sucked up into that soil the whole time mm. is now being flushed down to the roots. So I kind of flush because i'm almost running straight water right through the top but it's still absorbing all that nutrient down to that's the roots, so it doesn't necessarily 
Yeah, so, so it doesn't not, necessarily yeah. get straight water. Yeah, got you. Okay, cool. So it's yeah, kind of so neat. Not like I, a think, hydro- I think it helps. <clears throat> it's not like a hydroponic where you know your your reservoir is feed, and then you drain that and then add water. Like there's no feed left. Right. But like in your method or like a soilless method, you know there might be some nutrients still left over in that pot, and you're just adding something yeah. that's going to absorb all of that. Yeah, and just kind of, nice, and then just push it push it all down so it kind of it like the the media gets flushed but the roots are still absorbing that gotcha. um, down in the water so it's kind of cool i i like to think it works like the ash is super white and i hear like a lot of people talk about white ash being right, from white flushing versus black or right. from not flushing yeah right and my my ash is always i mean super white so do you think the I people that are like that getting the black ash are like they're getting their flower from people that have sprayed recently. Like and um, it's burning like a certain maybe way. Maybe yeah, even washed. washed. Hold on, my cat, dude. Mm-hmm. She is going off. Come on, kitty. All right, dude. She she, I think she did it, and then she, I opened the door and she ran away. That's cool. Yeah. <laughs> and I don't. So I don't think that the ash thing is from like the cure or like the humidity of the bud because i've smoked like some no, really old bud that was was super dry but the ash was still white mm-hmm. so i think that it's i think it is something to do with the plant and how it's grown but i don't know right if yeah i haven't done enough research on on it control. to be like yeah yeah i would i mean you've heard the crackling too right like if it's crackling yeah. and making those popping it's wet still right or it's wet or it was sprayed recently and mm. shit like that so i mean i've had stuff that's crackled before and it tasted like shit like it was disgusting dude i was like i'm not smoking this <laughs> shit dude now if it was like back in the old days like back in you know back when i was growing up i was like well i'm i'm getting high so yeah, i guess whatever through. yeah i'm powered through but yeah. you know we're kind of spoiled now mm-hmm. you know um especially like when i was out in oregon yeah. it's like you're, you're pretty spoiled out there you you forget like a lot of people forget like that is still illegal everywhere. Not everywhere, but a lot of places. You know what I mean? Especially down south. <laughs> yeah, I forget that all the time. Yeah, yeah, exactly. No, trust me. Oh. Um, <laughs> took me. It took me no, a year. Yeah, I'd be driving somewhere. It'd be driving somewhere, and I'd be like, "What state are we in?" And then, I'm like, "Oh shit!" Yeah, you know, slow yeah. down or whatever. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you got to be careful, right? Yeah, it's weird. <laughs> but yeah, so you know. We kind of talked about, you know, is there anything else you want to talk about before we get to like when you want to harvest, like what you look for when you want to harvest? Um, Let's see where we're running at. Let's see well, time I mean, there's a lot at. of different, there's a lot of different things in we're flower. Like minutes. there's nice. a lot of different ways to flower. You know, you, you there's people that don't change the temperature at all when they, they flower, don't change anything at all when they flower. There's people that you know, change lights that go from high to low to high or right. and then back to low at the end. You know, there's right. there's Pay so many intensity. different things that you can talk about with flower that to I think to cover it all in depth, you would really have to spend like a whole two hours, right. three hours. I mean, you could, we could talk, we, we could talk hours and hours about um, it because there's so many small little yeah. things that you could go off on, you know? I think that to summarize flower, I think to best summarize flower is to to mimic fall. Just you know, corn. Corn's a good 
because corn's generally harvested in October. But I mean, if just try to mimic the weather that's around you. Look, look at when people are are growing outdoor in California or Oregon or wherever, Where and, and kind of see what the yeah, see kind of what the environment's like over there and this sunlight or you know you can get in depth as you want but i think the most important thing is to mimic nature when it comes to flowering because that's what you're doing you're making fall happen right personally yeah but that's yeah. you know indoor perspective outdoors different you know yeah. that's a little different yeah exactly no i i agree with you i agree with you especially when you get near the uh you know the end of the, your cycle you know you can learn a lot from you know how she grows naturally um you know, I mean, that's the way that she was made to be. So, you know, obviously, like when you're an indoor, like you're trying to mimic, you're playing God a little bit, like you're trying to dial in so fine uh, to grow to its best potential. But at the end of the day, like she's going to grow the way she's going to grow. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, yeah. So, yeah. So let's go into like, I, you know, when, when to harvest. Um, one thing that I like to look at is uh, the physiological mm-hmm. ripeness of the plant. And also the trichomes. And what I mean by the physiological aspect of it is the pistils or styles, as some people like to call them. Yes. What color they're looking like. Stigma. You, yeah, exactly. You want them to look, you know, they're going to start to shrivel up and get orange, brown. Um, it depends on what strain you're talking, right? I've seen certain also density of the bud honestly color of the bud right if she's starting to purple right you're looking at everything you're not just looking at the pistols you're looking at a lot of different you know physio- physiological aspects of the plant um so you know you're looking at the orange you know shriveled up pistols i've seen indoor flowering plants reshoot out new pistols to where it kind of confuses you you're like in week eight and nine and you're like all right, yeah. 75% of the pistols are orange and, and brown and shriveled, and now I've got literally brand new pistols. And my thinking behind that is is like one last-ditch effort to catch some pollen because that's how she catches the pollen. You know what pollen, I mean? Yeah. Um, yeah. And, you know, that's kind of what I like to look for. On the trichome side, I like to get my magnifying glass. I have this cool, like, little pocket magnifying glass that's got a flashlight on it that I would pull out. And the more cloudy your trichomes are, the more ripe – your plant is in terms of that and the higher thc um that it that it's produced at that point right um i personally like to go for you know 90 percent cloudy now you're going to have some clear in there it's never going to be all cloudy um and then i like to get some amber in there five percent maybe maybe ten percent depending on what i'm looking for um, what about you, Austin? Like, what do you like to look for? Like in terms of, you know, trichomes or even you could talk about physiological aspects of it as well. Uh, yeah. Uh, trichomes. I don't, I don't necessarily go off my trichomes as much, but that's also because I don't have like, I'm not a patient guy. So like I have one of those like ring inspection, right. you know, magnifying yeah, glasses. With the little light on it. Yeah, jeweler's thing. And, like, I have gone out there and, like, looked at them. But I'm just not that patient. Right. Like, for me to go out and, like, you know. Like really, like, yeah, you got to really, like, <laughs> stare and, like, strain your eyes. Yeah. 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 So I like to just go off of the pistols, generally. Um right. But I'll also, like, account for the whole plant. Like, I'll if I'm looking at it and it doesn't look 
big yet or bulky yet mm-hmm. I'm, I'm not harvesting i'll let it go but yeah um I, and i also kind of use time like i when i flipped a flower i set the schedule for nine weeks mm-hmm. um and then obviously if i'm looking at the pistols and i usually do like an 80 20 on my pistols i know a popular i think 70 30 is pretty popular nice foot um but I usually do about an 80 20. Sorry, it's getting hot in here. Like when I'm about 80% orange, then that's usually my harvest time. Um, nice. And I, and then if it's, you know, if I'm at 80% and I'm like on week nine, um, well, I guess so I harvest on, on week 10. So like week 10, day one is harvest day, essentially. So you do like kind um, of a fixed schedule, kind of like connected how it doesn't matter what the plants look like, it doesn't matter what kind of, you know, stress has happened to maybe, you know, stagnate the growth a little bit. You're like, you know, the breeder or whoever, you know, bred this says, you know, this is a 56-day plant. This is a 63-day plant. We're going to harvest. Kind of. That's that's my inspection day. So like, I'll go out there. Got you. Cool. Week 10, and I'll be like, where, where are my pistols at? I'm like, if I'm at like 80% orange, like, all right, and, and they're nice and bulky, you know, I got, you know, a lot of them are starting to hang over the right, trail. Really starting to gain weight. You know, it's a mass. Yeah, you got purple. The leaves are starting to, you know, look like fall leaves. I'm like, all right, cool. I'm, you know, I'm harvesting. Um, but it, I've also gone out too. And like, I've been in week eight. And I'm like, these are ready. So like, I'll let them go like two more days. And if there's no change, usually I'll, har- like, I'll harvest it. Then if it's ready, I haven't, I've right. only had like one plant that was ready that early right but i've also had a plant that i've gone you know into week you know a whole nother week yeah yeah like i hit week nine i'm like this isn't ready yet so, so yeah so you're making a, week an, a, a, an educated you know decision you're like it's not ready i'm yeah. gonna wait yeah yeah I like yeah that. but it's but like that that week nine end of week nine or middle of week nine to end of week nine that's when i look and then I skipped a step. Um, <laughs> so when I look, if if I'm like, okay, that's ready to harvest, then I do the darkness thing. Then I'll do the, I'll cut off the water supply for three days, and I'll nice. cut out the lights for three days, and then I'll come in at on that um, the end of those three days and cut it down. Um, so I do that. So I guess it does go all the way. It does, I guess, technically go into week ten. Um, yeah, but how much Al how much Pacino is she growing did. at that point? You know, how much more is she doing yeah, when you cut off her water? You know, like she's she's exactly. like fucking finally, like I'm I'm gonna die soon. You know, like yeah, you know. Yeah. So she's she's not doing anything, and you know, I say week nine is like the inspection date, but that's just like the final decision. Like week eight is when I'm really starting to think about it because I got things that I have to do before I harvest. I gotta you know do my little flush if you want to call it that i gotta do the darkness i gotta do the right. you know so i have to week eight i have to kind of be looking at what i'm thinking you know mm-hmm. is it looking like it's going to be ready in a week does it look like it's not right and then week nine is just kind of like a toss-up if it's looking ready then i start doing the little transitional shit and if it's not looking ready then i'll just keep growing it oh yeah Hell yeah. Well, I yeah. think that can transition, transition us into the harvest process. Um, chop it down. Chopping it down. What do you like to do? You whole plant hang, branch hanging? Uh, are, you, are you wet bucking and putting it on cookie sheets? No, I'm not. 
Um, indeed, I'm not. Although it works for some people. Um, I I wouldn't say it works. Would I wouldn't prefer say it works. to whole plant <laughs> for some people. Apparently, some people um, do it. Some people do it. I like to do whole plant, but I don't have unless I can dry it in my tent, which I usually can't. I have to do branch hanging because I just don't have space. So I basically right. have two. That's the kicker. Um, I have these two, like those heavy duty totes. Yeah, I don't the black know what totes. I know what you're are. talking about. Those black and yellows. Yeah. yeah. So I take two of those and I just clamshell them, and then uh, I put a fan on the outside of that, and I just hang them in that thing, and the fan blows through that little crack. So okay. it's getting a little bit of airflow in there. Nice. That's pretty uh, but, tight. But That's because cool. it's such a small space, I have to do. Yes. Yeah, but you, you know, you make do <laughs> so with what you what you have, you know? Yeah, yeah, exactly. But I would prefer to to cut the whole thing and hang it like that. Um, I pick all the, I pick every leaf I can um, after I harvest just because I don't, it's just a home for mold. You know, yeah. there's no need to necessarily have those leaves. It's exactly. not going to make your bud taste better or worse if you nah. if you pull them off now nah, you don't want you don't want those leaves in there like at the end when you start bucking like you're going to get those leaves into the bud and then you got to pick through that or let's say you're making pre-rolls and you're grinding that shit up now you've got you know fan leaves in your in your pre-roll which actually a lot of people do Chlorophyll. in oregon or anywhere honestly they yeah. will take you know 25 30 40% of it is actually just fucking fan leaves dude and you're smoking you know fan leaves smoking garbage that's messed up but then they charge a dollar a gram you know they they charge you a dollar yeah. for 1 gram of it so it's like you got to expect what what are you getting you know for a dollar fan leaf <laughs> yeah that fan leaf special <laughs> but no i like to uh you know i'm you know, you made a good point about space, right? It's all about space. What kind of space do you have and what can you do? I would never advise against wet buck, wet, wet bucking. I wouldn't do it. Um, you know, I've seen people wet buck and heard of people wet bucking and putting on these little cookie sheets that then go into like a little proofer mm -hmm. type thing that they dry in two to three days and you're burning or you're, you're off gassing your terpenes way too fast like yeah. your your terpenes are done dude like you're gonna have garbage weed um if it's up to me i'm doing a whole plant hang because that's the slowest dry that i'm gonna get um to preserve those terpenes i'm i'd love to shoot for 60 percent humidity and 60 degrees we all know at least at home like or anywhere that's really hard to do just to keep it really you know good um you don't want to get up into that 70 percent humidity you're going to start to see mold Good airflow, like Austin yeah. talked about. You always want some airflow, but not direct airflow, indirect, indirect airflow. Um, and then keep that temperature low. I, I've done it. One of my best harvests at home, I had it like it was like I was transitioning into fall and or winter or something in Oregon. And I was able to open my window to get some of that cold air and humidity in. And I was like 65, 65. And it went mm -hmm. so long that I was like, I actually bucked too early because I was like, dude, it's day 14. Like they're, they're still a little wet, but I was like, I've never let it go this far. And that, that's a huge thing is patience, right? When you're, when you're during the dry process, you, you know, patience is key. You can mess this up. You can have worked 15 weeks yeah. to grow this plant and in three weeks or two weeks, you can ruin it. 
you know, a lot of people don't think, yeah, exactly. That don't think like, this is, this is the most important part of the process that if you mess this up, all that work that you've done could be ruined, you know? So it's very important to be patient. flavor, go to crap. Exactly. You get the hay. If you've ever smoked anything that's, that's got hay smell, it dried way too quick, more than likely, or it was too hot. You know, all your terpenes, like I said before, you may get off gas and then poof, gone. Um, you know, and then depending on what you do, like I said, you know, when you're doing a whole plant, depending on what your temperature and humidities are, like you can go anywhere from 10 to 14 days. When you do a branching, what are you getting? Are you getting eight days, six days? Like I was, it was about, it was day 12 on the Altino. day 12, it was done. Um, and that was, it probably could, it could have gone another day probably. And I think that's because I did that clamshell because I, couldn't hang them in the tent, but if I would have hung it just in a room in the house, it would have dried way too fast. Right. So I wanted, you know, slow and steady wins the race, in my right. opinion, mm-hmm. for for drying. Um. So I I made that little clamshell deal and uh, threw a little hydrostat in there, temperature oh, yeah. thing, so I could so see it. So how did you know they were? Uh, and uh, how did you know it was ready? Like, what do you do at home? Like, because do you don't have snap. like. Yep. Okay. Cool. Yeah. So that's like one cool thing yeah. to do is like how, what yeah, thickness of your branch. Yeah, exactly. And and stuff like that. Yeah. One thing I've also done like is I'll do the branch. I'll do like a thin branch and then maybe a thick branch and then I'll pick a medium sized mm-hmm. bud. And if I put my thumb up and it just kind of barely like wanting to pop off and like it's popping off, but it's yeah. like just on that edge. I'm like, all right, dude, it's, it's ready to go. Um, you know what I mean? Yeah. And then, you know, one thing we've also used is a moisture meter. I don't know if you've ever used that. I don't even think at Connected we had one of those. We, we were just kind of bootlegging it there. No, we didn't. Um, at DM, we had this moisture meter that you would – I mean, you're ruining a big fat bud, unfortunately. Right. Uh, but it's like, well, you can just take it home. So whatever. Um, you would stick this moisture meter. It's a two-pronged moisture meter. And we would try to aim for, depending on what strain, we would go from anywhere from 10 to 15% moisture content. And we figured out okay. that if it was at that percentage, when we did our curing process, we would t- we would pass testing, right? Because if you're too high in moisture, mm-hmm. um, they will fail you. And they'll be like, the only thing they do in Oregon, at least, is if you fail, they're just like dried out more. Like So they're like, okay, right. like let's dump it on a table and we'll, we'll spread it out and we'll dry it a little bit more. That way it passes. Because me personally, I like a little bit moisture of a weed right it's gotta be i want it to be a little sticky like dry weed yeah but in oregon like you can't like you have to play that you know that fine line and this is really everywhere you have to play that fine line of you know you want it to be nice and sticky but not too wet to where um it's gonna mold out you know in the jarring process and and shit like that so um anything else you want to add to the to the dry i feel like we hit that pretty good we'll go Um, we'll go on into the trimming yeah that's pretty good okay um so have you ever heard of anybody like wet trimming before? I have I've heard of it. So I don't, don't do, do that. <clears throat> no. <laughs> I think that's so, a good way to ruin your trichomes. Yep. That and again, terpenes. But, if, you, uh, if you do the wet trim, like yeah. some of those sugar leaves. Exactly. Some of those sugar leaves are actually yeah. preserving your trichomes, right? So it's yeah. preserving those a little bit. So uh, I just wanted to throw that in there. Don't do that. Too. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Because, like, I think 
a lot of wet trim bud looks shaved like when it's dried mm -hmm. it just looks like they took a shape you know right yeah you know? exactly <laughs> so here's so here's, yeah, a, dry, I, dry <laughs> here's a good debate that a lot of people are like it can't be craft weed if you machine trim it um like you have to hand trim it only kind of what are your thoughts on that um and then i'll kind of go into my thoughts as well um um well i think it depends on what your goal is i mean if you want if structure is what you're looking for i don't think that machine trimming is the answer but i think if if you know production amount you're trying to just trying to get it out the door get it on the shelves get it sold you don't necessarily care how it looks and i mean machine trim away mm -hmm. me personally i i finger trim i put my gloves on and you just and okay I'm, yeah i pick nice. the, you know pick the leaves and then if there's like one that i don't want there but it won't pick instead of destroying the bud then i'll take a little i keep my scissors in my hand and i'll yep. trim that one off but i i hand i hand trim so that's Hell yeah. my preference nice and yeah. that is because i don't think that having a little bit of sugar leaf is a bad thing that's trichome baby you, that's gonna get you high you got <laughs> yeah, you got a lot of trichomes on them. It's sugar leaf. That's why they call it sugar leaf because right. the trichomes on it. Hey, what's and a then sugar you leaf? Got... Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, that's an assistant manager throwback. for you, huh? Yeah, it's a throwback. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, so that and as well is it's got a lot of purple on it. Your sugar leaf's got a lot of purple in it. So, I mean, that helps your color too. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times it... it you know, I don't keep big sugar leaves on there. Like, I don't have sugar leaves poking out of the bud. But, you know, like, those the really small curled sugar leaves, I keep those on there. And the ones that kind of build the structure, I keep those. Okay. Um, yeah. Hand pick it. That way I can be a little... Because I kind of... I kind of like... I don't like trimming. I don't know if there's anyone that likes trimming. <laughs> you got to be a special person I'm, to love trimming. Exactly. Especially but once I you do it for eight hours a day. It, that would be not my life style. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but if I'm going to do it, I'm, I'm going to try to make it look good. So that's why I do it with my hands. I can, instead of taking a scissors and just trimming away, I might be accidentally shaving off, you know, shaving it, or I might be taking off structure. When I'm using my fingers. I'm just getting all the dry, you know, just getting all the dry crap out of there. And then mm -hmm. I go through and kind of pretty it up. That's Hell yeah. I like spend some time with it. That's, I like that. You know, that's, that's definitely like last... more of an older school way of doing it, yeah. but doing it fast as well. You know? Yeah. So I like that. I think that's cool that you do that because there's a lot of people that I've met like back in Oregon that would do it that way. They would do it real quick with their thumb and it would just come off. You know, it, like if you're going to have a little bit of sugar leaf on there, it's good. You know, if you're trying to sell it, you know, bag appeal is like a huge thing. Um, and, you know, I think it's important to make sure the bud looks good. You know, I've, I've done it both ways. Yeah. Um, you know, I've done it at home, just strictly scissors, um, which I, again, like, like I said, and like you said, you have to be a special person to like trimming, but when it's your own, yeah. it's a little bit different. You know, you're like, dude, I grew this, like, I'm going to fucking make mm -hmm. this nug, like look like the best nug in the world, yeah. you know? Yeah. Um, but like at DM specifically, it was just me and two other guys. And when we're busting out a 90 pound room and it's just us three to trim, um, you know, you got to throw in the machine trim there a little bit. Um, and one thing that I did like to, that, that we did there was we did such a mini like trim on it that it was so fast that if like, I've seen it 
before where you do a machine trim and like you said it looks like you shaved it or the top got ripped off and it's like this really like weird like smooth like it doesn't look natural like there's no leaves on it it doesn't look good it looks processed you know what I mean? And we've it's run like into the problem. black market stuff. Yeah. Black market. That's wound. just like like rocks. It literally looks like a rock. If you dropped <laughs> yeah. it, it would make like a, like it would make a thump, you know? Thunk. Yeah. Yeah. It yeah, looks exactly. like a rock, dude. Um, you know, and we ran into the problem before where if we had a denser nug that was heavier and we didn't run it through fast enough, we had some nugs like do that. But I think there's a balance there when you're working with that much product and that little labor. That if you're trying to sell it, you're trying to get rid of it, you kind of have no choice. Um, yep. And you can still make it look good, right? Like, you still make it look good and stuff. Uh, but if it were up to me, like, if I, like let's say at home, you know, obviously, hand trim, but if I was running my own business, like I hope to do one day, um, you know, I think if you're producing that much product and it's just you and your wife and maybe your buddy, like, you kind of have no choice but to run, run it through, you know, a, a machine yeah. very lightly and just make sure it looks good. Like, you got to make sure it looks good, you know? Um, but yeah, you know, so you'd spend a lot of time hand trimming a hundred. Oh my pints, god, you know, what you'd be what I mean? you'd be crazy. You'd be months. Ooh. I don't know. Yeah, we've even used these bucking machines. Wouldn't Have you ever fun. seen those? Uh, no, I've not. So, actually. so you, oh, you know, wait, I have, is it, is it like, it's got like a little hole in Yeah. Your, so it's got three, it I've is. used one where you, it has three different holes and it's based on size, yeah. right? And you branch out all your branches and then you shove it through this hole that catches a little, uh, like rubber wheel, like two sides. So uh-huh. they're spinning together. So it pulls and it pulls the branch while those little holes buck the butt off. And it just goes boop, 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 uh, and into a bucket. And I think that like it works really well. If you're yeah. like, we used it at Capricorn and we were just doing it because we were doing outdoor and we were shipping that off like to get uh like bubbled or rosin um you know stuff mm-hmm. like that so it can it can be a little bit it, like the bud can be a little messed up as long as you have good you get roughed up. yeah as long as you have good trichome like you don't want to yeah. rough it up too good yeah. because like with bubble yeah. hash you still want like really good attack but it was getting freezed like it was getting into negative right. 50 degree freezer you Damn. know what i mean nice so yeah and then it was going to go get washed somewhere. So I've used like one of those, which was cool. I think it's cool. Like if you're like a huge operation, I mean, I could see why using some of this, you know, mechanical advantage basically. Um, yeah. But I'm always going to be about that? getting down to earth, dude, with the plant and like, like touching with your own hands and like doing everything with your hands and not using the machine. Like use, do, yeah. do it how it's supposed to be, you know, especially at home, you know, don't skimp on that's, that because yeah, you're, you're getting personal time, like with the plant, I feel. Like you're getting that time with a plant and you're just like truly seeing like the wonder from, from everything. You know what I mean? All the way down to plant getting the, therapy. The, the, yeah, the sticky fingers, getting that hash, yeah. that little hash ball that you're like, all right, I'm going to let that sit for, for a little while. And that in the up. freezer. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but yeah. So is there anything else you want to talk about trim? I mean, there's not really much to go there. It's like just, you know, trim, no, buck, buck and trim your, your weed and, and that's how it yeah. is, you know. We can get into the curing side. Um, you know, what are your environmentals you like to to do? Um, you know, for your curing, especially like to prevent like mold and and stuff like that. I would like to have, so I don't have any way of really controlling the temperature. I just whatever my temperature in my house is mm-hmm. is what I have to cure at. Unfortunately, I would like to do. I would like to dry and cure at 68 
um, degrees and 60% humidity. I'd like to just dry it at that. And then when I'm trimmed and I have it in jars, I throw the, you know, I throw the Bavita. I like throwing those Bavita deals oh, in yeah, there because yep. then I seal them up. Because I'm only burping twice. Yeah, 62%. there's 62 on those. Nice. Um, I'm only burping twice. So I, I throw, once I throw them in there, I set them up. And after the first day, I'll go and burp it for like 10 minutes five, at most. Usually it's like a minute, really. Right. 10 minutes if I forget. But I just, I open it real quick. And like, I kind of shake the butt around. Um, I've even taken one of my fans and just blown it in there for a second. Yeah, Not like a long time. Just, yeah. Air exchange is the idea. Are you looking for smell? Like, are you smelling yeah. like for the off gas um, of chlorophyll, chlorophyll? That way you kind of know like, all right, yeah. it's ready to be jarred yeah. up totally. Exactly. So like, usually like after the second time of burping it, like I... I'll go back like a third day. So I'll, I'll do it the first time. And then after the first one, I'll set it for two days. And then after two days, I'll do the same exact thing. And then I'll set it for two more days. And then I'll go smell it on the, you know, the two days after that, I'll smell mm -hmm. it. And most of the time, I'm not smelling like any plant matter, right? Uh, chlorophyll, whatever. So I'm like, all right, cool. The lid goes back on and I put those up for a week. And then after a week, you know, they obviously stay in the jar, but after that week and you're done you're kind of like good to go. you know i'm yeah 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 hell yeah that's 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 the way i prefer um my house only goes down to like 74 so unfortunately like when i even when i dry and when i cure i lose um i i lose quite a bit of smell like a lot of yeah. nose i do lose a lot of nose because when i first Just, hang them like damn this is smelling really good but yeah it, it's it is what it is. It's, it gets it's hot. What I got right you know, now. It gets but, hot. Yeah. It you know, gets, like you said, it's like not a lot that you can days. do, you know? Mm hmm Because when I have, um, I've used the tent in the past to dry, like before I was trying to cycle. Mm -hmm. um, and when I did it in the tent, I had it at 68 and 60, and, and I love that. It didn't lose, like a lot of, like the nose was still there, which the nose is still there um the way it is now but you don't really get it until once you grind it is once i grind it then it's and it's strong like right you, yeah the really, smell is yeah, all there. you're breaking all that it's, up you know yeah but i just i would like to be you know I, I feel that 68 if i could keep it at 68 60 i'd have a lot better results yeah. um just in curing mm -hmm. definitely no, I'd, I'd love to one of these days like be able to afford like a like a casket almost almost like a humididor but a big, like, mm -hmm. it'd be like a dresser, like where you would put clothes, you know, of some really good wood. Like, I've heard of people curing and drying in, uh, like, little wood caskets like that. And it brings out, supposedly, it brings out, like, flavor, um, you know, certain stuff like that. And obviously, you can control the humidity and temperature really well. So they do with uh, cigars. Yeah, exactly. No, exactly. So, yeah, um, yeah. No, yeah. So, like, for me, if I'm going to be curing, like, at home, what I would do is... Like Austin said, you're kind of it, it's it's not a one it's not like a puzzle piece, right? It's not like a ingredient thing. Like it's gonna be different for each person, each environment where you're actually at, and each strain, because all those are gonna, you know, dry a little and cure a little bit differently. But really the main focus is to smell for that chlorophyll, to make sure you're getting that good air exchange. Um I would do three days in a row, I would open it. So I'd open it for depending on how long, shut it. 
Next day, 24 hours later, open it for a little bit. Third day, open it for a little bit. And then I would go anywhere from two to four days without opening it. And I would continue this process while also kind of going up each day for about two weeks um, just to make sure I'm getting air exchange. Um, and I'm also smelling that off gas. And like you said, once you stop smelling that and you really start to smell the flavor of the bud, you can jar it up yeah. and it's good to go. You know, make sure your temperature uh, and humidity is right. Really, your temperature is going to be whatever it is. It's your humidity that you want to be careful of. So be careful with that because your, your curing process, you can mold out if you're too high, right? Like, like you said, you like 60%. I throw a 62% or in there too. Um, one thing that we neither of us mentions yet is uh, bud to air ratio. I like to do 75% and 25%, maybe 80%. I'm not filling it up too high. And then I'll also turn my jar sideways so I have more surface area. So that way mm -hmm. that bud, you know, it's all that bud's touching a little bit of nothing. You know what I mean? Um, what do you yeah. like to do? Are you like in that 75%, you know, as well? Or Yeah. So I've made the... I learned that the hard way. Uh, yeah. Nothing, I guess nothing bad happened. I just like, I kept, I had to keep burping this jar. I was like, why is this <laughs> thing still <laughs> It was too, I was too like, full? Still, yeah, yeah. And it's because I, I put it all the way, not all the way to the lid, but all the way to where it bevels mm -hmm. to the lid yep. part, you know? Yeah. And um, so it wasn't, it was, there wasn't enough air you right. know in there yeah so like i was burping this thing for like a week week and a half probably and i was like why is it like, what still the hell is going on stink? so then i just left the lid off for like a whole day and then the next day it just smelled dry and i was like motherfucker like, so I, yeah. you know so i hey. learned that the hard way yeah. now, failure's a great teacher man yeah yeah i don't know i guess i don't know i usually put like i leave about that much at the top. I, I leave it so I can shake the jar. Right. And if Move I'm it shaking it, I can get it. Yeah, I can get yeah. all of it to circulate. If nice. I can't get it all to circulate, then I take some more out. Right. So it's important. Like, That's don't generally... do too little and don't do too much. Right. You need to find that balance yeah. to where your, your humidity is good and, and you've got enough air in there um, and everything. So, yeah, no, exactly. You know, that's like you said, you had to learn that the hard way. Um, and I'm sure a lot of other people have as well, you know. Yeah. So. Yeah, and I was so excited to smoke it too, but every time it, and I was still smoking it, but it yeah. was so wet. Yeah. And it was clogging up my grinder. <laughs> I was getting your grinder stuck. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't dry it. I didn't dry that one very well either. So yeah. it was like a double whammy. Yeah. But, yeah. But you um, still smoked you it. And you learned. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, it's still, yeah. you know, still yours. You the know, time at the end it of the turned day. out good. That was, you know what that was? That was the, uh, that Durban poison. Actually. And that, that was good too. And that was good. And, and it, it smelled good. really good, yeah. dude. Yeah. It was that classic. Durban smell dude and i was like wow like this like just smelling it was like it, i was like like you know like it woke me up a little bit like you could you know i was like smelling salts a little bit like not that smell mm -hmm. of the smelling salts but the effect of like smelling that those terpenes yeah. you know yeah it was um if it was that was an airier bud and if it wasn't i bet it would have had i bet it would have molded out just because i had those jars packs that's right right um but I think the reason that it kept the flavor is because I finally, re after like a week and a half, I finally realized it's because I have too much in here. Right. So then I split it up and then, you know, it kind of saved it. Hell and yeah. that's probably really the only reason that it had yeah. flavor still. But I did leave it uncapped for like a day and then came back and it smelled dry and I was worried. <laughs> you know, you know, some people, this is an old school way of doing things. 
um, and this is like something my mentor taught me is now it doesn't work very well, but if you over dry your weed, you can stick it in the, or you could, you can, you can lay it out on a table and you can mist it with water ah, and then you put it back it into kinda. the, yes, he's trying to hydrate and you put yeah. it back into the jar. Now you gotta be very yeah. careful, obviously, because that's a very mm -hmm. easy way of molding your, your butt out. It. Yes. But he said, <laughs> I'm like, I'm not doing that. Like, that's a very old school way of doing things. Like, if we overdry weed, we fucked up. Like, we're not going to try to do that because yeah. it's going to fuck shit up. But I've also heard, and this is a little bit of a better way, you know, uh, you know, orange peels. For the orange peels work really well, um, especially nice. when you're growing, um, you know, maybe something that's got a little bit of a orange smell. Terpinoline, I believe, is the terpene. Um, or limonene, um, you could use a, a an orange peel and put it in there. And number one, it's going to hydrate it a little bit. It's going to act as a bovita pack a little bit. And two, uh -huh. they say it can kind of make that bud a little bit aromatic. Infused? Uh, uh, you know, it's infused. I don't know if that is the right <laughs> word, but it's in those kind of lines. You know what I mean? Can you Can you cut an apple and then cut a branch? And put the apple into the branch. <laughs> what was that question? So how uh, look up, look is atomic that. apple, is it crossed with an apple tree? Is that where the apple <laughs> smell comes from? Yes. That was the question. Yes, it is. But yes, again, is. everybody starts somewhere, you know what I mean? So you can't yeah. dog the guy too much. But that was definitely one oh, of the no, most no. absurd questions I had ever that's just, that's what i thought of when you like, talked about yeah the like there's no such thing as a stupid question right but i was pretty baffled yeah, by that yeah. one i mean because you you would think i was just thrown off possible. i was just thrown off well so i you i have heard of grafting you can graft branches yeah. of another Graft. you know of something to it's something else uh they do it with apple trees all the time i'm pretty sure um and yeah, we maybe. were actually going to do a test of certain or different genetics um, on two plants we were going to throw oh, away, we were just right. going to shove them in the corner and be like, that's yeah, right. let's try this. We never got around to it. I know that it's possible. It's just yeah. actually doing it and, and ha then having two different genetics on one, you know, root system. I don't Wouldn't know. That be I mean, that'd shit. be, that'd be really cool. I think, you know, if anybody that listens to this, if they have any idea if that's possible, if that can be done, you know, comment. Or if you've done you know, it. I want to see that. Yeah, let me see that because that's that's awesome. Yeah, that's that's, cool. that's awesome. It's like those uh, <coughs> what are those candy duos? You know where they're mixed flavors. That's it. That'd be the next. That'll be the next uh, big thing in cannabis. To be <laughs> Two duos. genetics in one. Isn't that just called yeah. breeding? <laughs> <laughs> Isn't that just what you do if you want one strain and one strain? You just put them together and you breed them. <laughs> you just put them together. But now you can graft them. Yeah. That'd be hard, right? But, but no, I say yeah. we kind of move on. Um, we're at 75 minutes here. Um, so let's try to wrap oh, it up yeah. with our Q&A yeah. from viewers. Today we have uh, four questions, potentially five <laughs> if we can get to wow. it. We have a lot. All right. Um, so the first question, and I can answer this if you want, or we can both kind of go into this. Um, can you use you coffee question? grounds with cannabis? So this was a question by uh, Muriel. Right, Muriel. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we used to work with her at Connected. I think it's a very good question. Um, it's not something I had ever heard of, but I have heard of a lot of different kind of home remedies for certain things. And the results, at to make a long story short, is yes, you can use them, but how viable is it? 
and I'm gonna go a little bit into detail. Um, nothing crazy because again, I didn't even know this was a thing, so I did some research. Um, coffee grounds do contain potassium, phosphorus, calcium, and magnesium, all of which you know cannabis needs, but it's not a sufficient source of these nutrients, right? So if you were to top dress with some coffee grounds, yes, you could get a little bit of nutrient, but you, you shouldn't use it strictly as a feeding source. However, you can use it as an IPM side of things. Um, they say that it can deter pests such as slugs and snails, probably the acidity, maybe the smell. Um, so if you use that as a natural remedy, you know, let's say you made a cup of coffee and you see some slugs out on your plant, go yeah, dump them out there. Up. And I mean, you've, yeah. you've, you've wasted nothing. You've all you've done is, you know, five, 10 seconds of your time and you've, and you've done that. You know what I mean? Um, right. however, so you can do that. I don't know, like I've never done it, so I can't say that it's going to work well. I could see it working a little well. <clears throat> that goes to the question of, okay, if coffee is acidic, is that going to affect the pH balance of my soil? I read a few different things. Um, it question. is acidic. Were you going to say something? No, that's a good question. Okay. If it yeah, affect the soil. Yeah. Um, it will affect it. A very small amount, not enough to now. Now, unless you're putting like, unless you're making coffee like from McDonald's, you know, and the morning rush, and then you're putting that in one pot, then I think oh, you're gonna be okay, right? If you make a cup, yeah. two cups of coffee with that coffee grounds, and you yeah. put it in there, I think you're gonna be fine. I don't, I don't think it's gonna affect your your balance, your pH balance too much. Um, and another thing that I read is it actually works a little bit better for an organic soil. The reason being is because these microbials and even worms and stuff like that can actually feed on the coffee grounds, which and then return, you know, you're going to get some biological stuff like maybe some worm castings yeah. or even when those microbials or the or anything in the organic soil dies off, the plant will absorb the nutrients that way. Right. So you're feeding, you know, biodiversity, basically some life in your organic soil. Um, so, again, and, you know, end of the day, yes, you can. Depends on what you're trying to do. Would I do it at home? Sure, I'd try it. Would I do it all the time? Probably not. I'd probably do something else, you know. But if that's mm -hmm. what you have, let's say you, you know, work or you live near a coffee farm and like you don't have, you know, available resources, sure, it's a great. Yeah. Um, it was a great question. So it was a great, you know, add something to, that you could use. So add it to compost. Yep, exactly. Yep. That is do another a thing. Compost pile. Yeah. Yep. Throw it in there. Yep, exactly. So anything that you want to add to that or are you good to go to the next question? That's you answered that. That's a good one. Hell yeah. Thanks, brother. Good. Thanks, Mariel. Thanks for um, that question. Um, yes, that was a good question, Mariel. All right. So another question, and I'll let you take over this, Austin, is an equipment list for home growth. So if you're starting to, you know, you're just starting out and you're not sure where to start, what should you get? What should you do? Well, um, I think... First, before you get anything, make sure you have a space. Space is important. Um, I would say at least four by four uh, preference. But, you know, any any space that you think is good for however big you want to grow it. I think three square foot is like a is a pretty good, you know, area for one plant. Right. Um, That's what I have. Two square three foot. by three. You know, two square foot, you'll still get by. 
it'll be just fine. One square foot, you're probably put you're pushing it a little bit at one square foot. But mm-hmm. if you have at least two square foot per plant, preferably three. And however many plants you're going to grow, but you're going to need a space, and you're going to need a space that doesn't allows for, you know, total darkness, an uninterrupted light. Because when you get to your flower, when you get to your twelve twelve, that's going to be important. Um, so once you get your space and you decide where you're going to grow, uh, whether it's going to be a tent, a shed, your basement, whatever you're growing in, um. I think as far as must-haves, really a fan and a light and a, and a space that's, you know, like I said, uninterrupted from light if you don't want light in there. Um, that is as far as, like, you need to have. That's yeah, really all you need to have. But there is environmental factors. So, like, if your basement's super humid or your shed is super humid, you're going to need a dehumidifier. Um, if it's you know super hot or super cold wherever you're growing, you're either going to need an AC unit or a heater, or both. Um, like for example, I have fans, AC, dehumidifier, uh, all kinds of crap. It's just mm-hmm. because it's outside. Um, so exactly. environmental factors, you know, heavier equipment you might need to have. Um, I want to go back to fans. More than one, definitely, uh, and and preferably oscillating because yes. you don't want direct. Like yeah. you don't want it to just hit the just same spot every time. Yeah, you, yeah, bud growth will yeah. not happen. Yeah, you're gonna want you know oscillating if you don't have that, like a fan on each side. You know, one on the north end, one on the south end, whatever it might be. Mm-hmm. Um, but at least two fans, I would say, and preferably oscillating. If you can't, if you don't have an oscillating or you don't want to get one, just try to make, think vortex. You want to, you know, you want to get to where the air is moving and not just blowing one direction. Right. Exactly. And did um, you mention carbon filter? Uh, a carbon filter. Would you recommend not that for, for anybody? I, if you don't want to smell, if, if you're worried about the smell, um, then a carbon filter, I, I guess, would be. A good thing to have like a lot of people that grow in their house use carbon filters so their whole house doesn't smell i personally don't just because i don't really care what it smells like around my house Mm -hmm. or or in my house um to an extent i don't want my house to smell like dirty socks you know what i mean right uh but yeah you're gonna need that so environment anything to get your environment right ac dehumidifier fans all that um, light, uh, I would focus a lot of money on your light. Get a good light. If you don't have a good light, you're not going to have a good product, in my opinion. Um, you'll still be able to grow it, but there's really crappy lights out there. Mm-hmm. Um, if your if light costs you $50, you're probably not going to have very good bud at the end of your grow, and you're going to be wondering what you did wrong, and it's probably nothing. Your light's just probably not sufficient for what you're doing um, right, so, so spend good light. the bulk of your money like you what you're saying you know you, you want to if you only have a x amount of money you know make a decent amount of that budget to be towards your light because yeah. that is very important i would i would yeah i would i would run like 
multiple fans and a really nice light before I would run a cheap light and, you know, an AC unit, for example. Like I would run a higher temperature with a lot of fans to be able to have a nice, a decent light. Right. For example. Yeah. Um, other things, you know, there's there's so many things that you can buy for home grow. Um, it depends how you're trying to do it. Uh, if you're going to hand water, if you're going to run irrigation, um, if you're going to run CO2, then you're going to need, you know, all of those things. Irrigation requires, you know, a timer. CO2 requires a, a, a not a timer, but a, what's it called? Like a, um, help me out here. Like a controller? A controller. Thank you. You're going to need something that can read the CO2 in your environment right, yeah, and knows yeah. when to, you know, put it in there and when not right, to. Right. Or if you're just going to use CO2 bags, that's something you can do. Um, yeah. But as far as what you need, it's really not a lot. You know, water, CO2 and light is that's what photosynthesis needs. Um, Hell yeah. No, so, I think that's good. I think you covered a lot. I think that's I think, a good starting point. Yeah. You know, and I think one thing I might do is you're going to feed. Yep. One thing I might do on YouTube is add, you know, maybe if you want to send me some products that you like, I'll add them to the description and say, hey, if you want to start, you know, a home grow, these are the main, these are the five, six main things that you need. And these are the things that Austin prefers. And then I can add some stuff to if you want. Um, Yeah. But yeah. That, yeah, that answers that question. Yes, it does. Yes, it does. Unless you got anything else. And that was from Noah. Thank you, Noah, for that question. Uh, we appreciate it. Um, you know, we really like doing these, and we're going to hopefully continue to get some. Um, so let's keep going. Um, the yep. next one is from, let me double check so I don't butcher the name. This one is from Kayla Kirk 17 And her question is, what's your advice to someone wanting to get into this field? And uh, if you want, Austin, I can kind of go over, I can kind of say my piece and then you can say your piece because you, you, you and I kind of started at the same, not knowing anything, mm-hmm. you know, not knowing yeah. anything. So, so I'll go ahead and then you can kind of, you know, your personal experiences and everything. But obviously like the first step is, you know, find which state you're wanting to work in. If you're in a legal state, you've already beaten half the battle, right? Like you're ready to go depending on what state you're in and where you live. Um, you know, in the South, you're, there's not a there's slim picking out here, even if you're in a legal state. Um, so know where you want to go. Next one, as obvious as it is, you can't go into it like you could in the old days, go into the shop and ask for the manager and ask for a resume. So hop online, start searching, do your research, right? Research is important for this. Look on LinkedIn, look on Indeed, look on Snagajob, look on Monster, look wherever you need to look for what companies are hiring within the state that you're living in. And even if they're not hiring, figure out what companies are in your state and figure out how to get in contact with them. Go to their contact page, find somebody on LinkedIn that works for them and reach out, find an email, do whatever you need to do to, to, to connect with these people. Connecting with people and knowing people is a huge part in this industry um and it can get you very far if you know the right people um and besides like all that you know like i said austin and i we didn't really know a lot but knowing some stuff or or austin did know he knew stuff before he came in i was impressed with the knowledge that he had now he had never worked commercially but he did know his stuff which to me i was like damn dude this guy knows what he's talking about he's got some stuff to learn but 
that's why he's here. You know, he's here to learn this side of the commercial, the commercial space. I started commercial and then, you know, did some home grow out in Oregon. Um, but just learn, research, read, do like read literature, um, talk to people, go on forms, scavenge, uh, the forms. Uh, a lot of people forget that there's a lot of good forms out there. Um, I'll shout out Bean Basement. They're really good. Uh, it's owned or it was created by Capulator. I'm sure a lot of you have heard of Capulator. Um, I did a Bean Basement Grow and basically it's just a journal, but you can join without having a journal and you can, you know, watch all these different people uh, grow and do their research and do all this stuff. And you can ask questions, it's a very open place to ask questions. Um, and then, if you do get a job, you know, or yeah, if you do get a job, just be willing to learn. Hustle, right? You don't have to know anything. You can be taught everything, but be willing to learn. Leave your, if you do know something, leave your ego at the door, right? You don't, one way is not the right way, right? Every place is going to grow differently, but, and you need to learn to adapt, right? Even if it's not the way you would do it. Um, and that's what makes a good grower is learning all these different ways. And maybe you know what's better, maybe you don't, but, just be willing to do it how they want, unfortunately. You know what I mean? But leave that ego at the door um, and work hard. You know what I mean? I've seen a lot of people succeed in this industry not knowing anything, but they, they're grind. They're hard workers and they work hard. At like, And that, to me, stands out more. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. And then let's see what else did I get here. That That's pretty much it. I mean, do your research. I think the biggest thing for me was when I was moving back down south, I did a lot of research. I was having a hard time finding a job. And even people that weren't hiring, I was reaching out to them and, and getting calls and getting, you know, just talking to people. Um, you know, so uh, what do you want to add to that, Austin? What, what about you? I, I think that you uh, nailed that one on the head. Um, I agree strongly with the, the, um, they're looking for, I think they're looking for more of like a, your personal worth, you know, like how, how do you hold yourself? Right. You know, what's your work ethic like? Right. Work ethic like you huge. said, like you said, they can teach you because if you're working at a farm for five years, you know, at a different farm, that's great. And they're going to, they're going to like that. They're going to appreciate that, but they could be doing something completely different in which they're going to almost have to reteach you their right. method it's their cheeseburger gonna, right it's their cheeseburger it's their pig on their farm you yeah. know uh whatever whatever you want to call it right but i think that one of the main things that they look for is is this person gonna work hard is this person gonna do what i ask them to do um they're not necessarily looking for you if you know whoever everything or not they don't care if you know everything obviously they want you to have plant knowledge in general but you can't as like a cannabis company you can't necessarily expect everybody that's going to apply has been in cannabis because it's not everywhere right you know there's a lot of places that can't grow it or it's very you know minimal so mm -hmm. they're not necessarily expecting people that know everything so if you don't know a lot about it that's fine yeah, just uh, be willing to let that deter you. you. Know? Yeah, be yeah. willing to learn. You know, show some effort. You know, maybe when you're in your interview, be like, you know, I've never grown it. I've never been in a grow, but you know, I've been reading this about it. I've been, you know, researching about this. They're, you know, if they have a good feel for you as a person and that you're actually wanting to know and mm -hmm. learn, 
and you're wanting to work, you're, exactly. you got a good shot at you getting do. a job. If you're Definitely somebody don't. that's, if you're somebody that's, you know, well, I've been growing for 10 years, you know, and this is the only way to do it. This is the only method that works. This is what, you know, this is how, you know, if you're telling them how to do it, they right. probably, they probably don't want you. Yeah. They want somebody that's going to be open to what they're going to instill in their business whatever it is exactly um so also with that if you're wanting to go somewhere to grow a specific way don't go if you want to grow indoor don't apply outdoor because you're not going to like it or if you're wanting to work outdoor don't apply indoor because you know because it's two different it's two different worlds yeah so you also have to keep that in mind Mm -hmm. uh, if you're the type of person that is set in a certain way don't go somewhere thinking you're going to change everything they do because you're not yeah that's not going to happen no not not yeah. not with already an established you know company yeah i mean they're definitely most of them are probably open to trying things and testing things and seeing yeah. if it works but don't because don't they need to have an open mind bring... too like like yeah even yeah, though you're going exactly. to work for them like a good grower like i said they leave their ego at the door they are willing to learn new yeah. things or be willing to like be wrong Right. It's not their way or the highway. Like if they if you have not like a good grower is going to respect and know when another grower is saying good shit. You know what I mean? And they're like, damn, like, you you know what I mean? So you don't want to work for somebody like that necessarily either. You know, know your worth, know know what you're worth and 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 play that role. You know, if if you know what you're capable of, then do what you're capable of and show your employer that you're capable of it. But if they're not willing to to listen and they're not willing to work with you that might not be somewhere you want to be yeah um but definitely the openness i think is one of the biggest things in the field just because there's so much there's so there's many so different much places different, yeah yeah doing different yeah. things you know so you got to be open-minded and yeah flexible that's 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 the word i'm looking for yeah you gotta be definitely. someone that can be flexible yeah hell yeah cool well i think we answered that question thanks kayla for that uh, we appreciate the com or the uh, the question. Um, let's see. I'm going to share my screen with Austin here, and right. this is not really a cannabis related question, um, but it is from. Let me see. Tell me when you can see that here. I'm loading two purple squares. Okay. You can you can probably start. All right. So it's me with a bowl cut. That was the picture I used for the question. And we have two questions, actually, that are not cannabis related here. And uh, one question, and this is from Cody. Did you at least get to pick the color of the bowl? Uh, um, yes, I did, uh, actually. And it was uh, Eagles Green. Fly, Eagles, fly. Eagles Green. Nice. Another I, you know, one. I had a bowl cut back in the day Did, as well. did you? I need to see that shit. Let's, yeah. let's compare, yeah. actually. Um, actually, you know, I could probably run and grab a picture really quick. If you well. have it, if you have it. Go for it. I'll answer the next question here. All right. <laughs> don't don't take more than 30 seconds, though. All right. So the next question is, this is from Danny. Yo, bro, who cut your hair like that? Uh, well, it was probably our mother. So you can thank our mother for that. She probably put the colander on my head herself. Um, and then we do have one more question that we will we will get to here in one second when Austin gets back. Let's see if you found it. I'm back. Let's see this fucking thing. 
Let's see this fucking thing. Did you All find right. it? Oh, yeah. It's right, not give me one sec. Give me one sec. It's yours, but... All Hold right. up. All, All right, right, go go for it. Let me see this shit. You're ready. There you go. There's Dude. handsome little me with a <laughs> little junior bowl cut. Yes. <laughs> Yo, your your oldest looks yeah. almost exactly like you. Yeah, he yeah he does look a lot. He like looks a lot like scary. you, dude. That's crazy. Yeah, no, yeah. we uh we're bowl cut gang, dude. We would have gotten made fun of together on the on the playground. So that's right. <clears throat> no, right. dude, that Data. was the style back then. I think that was probably ah, shit. I had to be like it was probably ninety nine. Bowl probably... cut or not, I still kicking ass in tether ball elementary school <laughs> fourth grade. Get on my level. Hell yeah, hell yeah. <laughs> All right, so we'll go on to the next question here. Uh, we this podcast this episode actually went a lot longer than I thought it was going to. Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna yeah, get this last we're gonna get this last question and then we'll wrap things up. What this is from Compost Malone. What nutrient lines have you guys tried and what's your favorite? Yeah, that's a good question. <laughs> so do you want me to go first? Uh, or do you want to go first? I'll go first. Get it. Um, my favorite is House and Garden. Um. But I'm, I have a new favorite, I think, and that would be Nectar for the Gods. I've been, so I've been kind of using both. I've been using I both. I, I like the house and garden, but I don't, I don't want to necessarily use the synthetic all the time or the heavy salt, you know, mm. but I do really like it. I have, I've had really good luck with it. Um, So I still use it, but I, what I like to do is I like to use that in flower when I'm using my irrigation system. Because uh, nectar, you know, nectar for the gods is is. I don't know if they're a hundred percent organic, but if they're not, they're pretty damn close to a hundred percent organic. Cool, yeah. yeah, I like. That. I think they are. I think they are full organic. But anyway, it stinks, so I don't like to run it through my irrigation because then I got to clean it all the time, and I'm, you know, I I don't have yeah, the. That's best how you know it's good cleaning. shit though when it smells yeah, kind yeah. of funky, you know. Yeah. I don't have the best setup for cleaning, so that's why I don't use it in flower right now. But I think in the future, when I do have, you know, the setup I want, that's I'll probably only use nectar for the gods because I have really, you know, I've ran a full run with them and it was comparable, if not better, to when I was just using house and garden. So house and garden oh, yeah. and nectar for the gods is is my preference. Oh yeah. No, that's cool, man. No, I like that uh, Nectar the Gods. Like, I've never used it, but I have heard good things about it, especially because it's more organic. Um, mm -hmm. You know, so you're giving a little bit more natural. It's not as hard on the uh, the earth and the environment, like, when it runs off. So, yeah. but yeah, no, it's cool. So, so I've used a few different things. I've used Advanced Nutrients. I've used, I've used House and Garden before. I've used Heavy 16. Um, let's see what else. I've used, and then I've used Athena Ag. Um, yep. and then I've also done dry salts. I mean, we did dry, like we did bulk salts at, at connected and at Capricorn. Um, you know, my preference, my favorite growing at home or just growing, let's say just synthetic, like that liquid would have to be Athena. Um, I really yeah. like grew to like them, um, in at home and it was relatively cheap and it got me really good results. Um, so I would have to say my favorite right now is Athena. And all I would do is veg A and B and flower A and B. And then I would use a PK uh, in flower, like in the middle of the week flower. And yeah. and I used their cow mag, I think, which was cool. Um, but yeah, relatively cheap. 
um, which I liked. You know, I, I liked using the, you know, at, at DM we used heavy 16 and advanced nutrients. And that worked well, but it just seemed like, like really nasty. You know what I mean? Like it just, it was thick mm. and gooey and I don't know. It was just, yeah. it's, it, it's pretty, obviously it's like synthetic. So you're going to get that. But at the end of the day, like if I was doing commercial, I'd probably do like raw salts or I do, I'd like to try to do like organic. I mean, at the end of the day, my goal, like for my farm would to learn organic soil and do and run soil, you know, and really, and do that, like be, you know, have solar power, have wind farm, have, you know, all these things that could, you know, cause growing cannabis, it's not very good for the environment. Sustaining. Yeah. Like it, you use a lot of water, which is not good. Like you take mm-hmm. up a lot of water. You, you, you know, if you're using synthetic, you know, a lot of that's running off into the ditch somewhere. Um, if you're spraying, you're spraying pesticide. Um, so the more organic that we can be, you know, using biological bugs, you know, using good fungus, that's good for the, that's not going to be bad for the environment, you know, and then using everything that the earth has provided you worms, you know, fishbone meal, all this other stuff to, to make, you know, you know, just to make it to where we're leaving a better, you know, earth for, for, for our kids, you know, basically footprint carbon footprint. Yep. But you know, that's kind of mine. So thank you compost for that. We really appreciate it. Uh, we love answering y'all's right. questions. Um, is there anything mm-hmm. else that you kind of wanted to go over before we head out? Or I think that wraps up the the whole uh, seed yeah. to harvest. Yeah, exactly. No, dude, great. I mean, it took us three episodes, yeah. but we did it. Um, imagine yeah. sitting down for like a five-hour podcast, dude. Like that would have been fucking. Whew, it would have been. Yeah, that would have been how crazy. Long it would have been. Uh, that's yeah, yeah been exactly. It would have been about five hours. Been in here sweating. Yeah, I would have been naked probably doing this podcast. <laughs> well, maybe we should redo it. <laughs> oh, shoot, maybe. Maybe that'll be a special podcast. Maybe that'll be episode 69 yeah. or something. That'll be the X-rated one. You won't be able to see it on YouTube. Yeah, yeah, that'll be on another another site. That won't be on YouTube. <laughs> that'll be on something else. Um, but no, we really appreciate anybody that listens to this, anybody that comes out. Um, if you guys have any questions that you want us to answer for the next episode, please don't hesitate to comment. Go to the Instagram Text me, call me, call Austin, show up at his house, harass him, whatever yes, you got to do. Knock on the door. Knock on the door at midnight, whatever you got to do so yeah. we can, um, you know, do it. So Keep it going. Yeah, Keep exactly. Going. No, so again, yeah. all right, Austin, you cool? I'm good. I'm cool. I feel good about it. That was a good one. It was a long one, but I feel good it was. about it. No, oh, me are we too. dancing? I mean, we'll have to figure figure out the outro. We, we can, I can play some, uh, yeah, non, um, copyrighted music. We just have to find one that we like. We'll have to, we'll have to make up a song or something. Exactly. If anyone wants, if anyone wants to make up a song for an outro, yo, that'd be pretty tight, dude. We're not going to pay you or nothing, but (laughs) we'll shout you you out, dude. We'll get, we'll give you exposure, (laughs) man, on our Instagram, man. Exposure. (laughs) I'm telling you, man. <laughs> but all right, all right, peace yeah. out guys. Thank you. Thank y'all.